I wish to acknowledge the custodians of this land, the Yagara and Turbal people of the Mianjin Nation, and their elders past and present. I acknowledge and respect their continuing connection to land, waters, and community. Welcome back to Sexuality, a podcast that examines queer content in media. I'm your host, Lisa, and today my guest is Lawrence. Hi, Lawrence. Hello. How are you today? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Good. I, you just got back from Mardi Gras, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, uh, right overnight. Um, actually, it could have been more of a riot, to be honest, but um, <laughs> it was pretty fun, yeah. It's more like a party, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's more celebratory than it used to be, I guess. Um, I mean, I was with a good group of people. We're all on a protest float, so every time a cop went by or any, or the Liberal Party float went by, we would just, like, pick up our fingers at them and tell them, like, we don't want you here, get lost. (laughs) Um, but that was, like, a small part of it, so, um, everything else was pretty kind of corporate and stuff, but, you know, it's, it's, you know. Even just seeing other people like cheering on, it's like quite nice. So <laughs> that's awesome. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Lawrence. I'm from Sydney. I'm 20. I'm a drag king. I'm um, activist, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. What are your pronouns? Um, are you she, her? Cool. So what are we analyzing today? So I picked Pride, which is a BBC film from 2014, um, mm-hmm. and it basically just like um, is like a fictional kind of um, historical recreation of um, basically just the attempts of a London activist organisation called LGSM, um, and they're sort of like trying to assist the striking miners from mm. 1984, um, and they're fighting against the Thatcher government, um, and obviously the um attempts succeed and fail in equal measures one might say because of the um the kind of people behind it um there are people from the lgbtqi community and it's spearheaded by a gay man um and it's all told through the lens of joe who's a closeted um sort of kid who gets swept along and yeah yeah just your age isn't he yeah so he's 20 as well yeah, yeah. so he's kind of doing what you're doing right now which is <laughs> getting into political activism. I mean, I got involved earlier, but I think um, me being like a, like a millennial slash Gen Z, having access to the internet sort of made it easier for me to get swept up in that at an earlier age, whereas I guess the 1980s were a very different time. Yeah. Oh, no, you're definitely Gen Z because millennials are like 24 now. Yeah. Yeah. They're like out of college by now. I've barely started. (laughs) Adults, apparently, is what we are. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to insult your age or something. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so did you want to talk about either uh, – I've divided it up into characters and positives and negatives. Did you want to talk about the characters or the positives and negatives first? Um, probably the characters, I'd yeah. say. They're, cool. Yeah. All right. So the first character that I wanted to talk about was Mark Ashton who is played mm. by Ben Schnetzer. 
Um, yeah. So Mark is very charismatic. He's very energetic. He's driven. So he starts the LGSM. He's like the leader of their little political group and then decides to support the miners because the miners are striking. Um, mm. It's always funny when people like the striking miners. Oh, they are so handsome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's also like the, the, the miners and miners kind of the mm. um, double, I don't know, entendre or like the, I don't know, there's a word for it. It's like homophone or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, um, no, Mark Ashton, he's great. And I will say that Ben Schneider did an amazing job in that yeah. role. I, I saw a couple of other stuff that he was in. And a lot of people in the film were like, sort of like fresh faces to yeah. the sort of um, industry but they all worked really well together and they were really cohesive which I thought was really good for an ensemble cast they were all really good and Ben Schnetzer was outstanding in his role absolutely um, what did you think of Mark? yeah I thought he was good he's charismatic to a degree he just reminds me of this other um, um, lady from like an activist group that I know who um, um, also like leads stuff and when you do that you also tend to become like pulled in a lot of directions and it's like kind of hard to maintain everything so he did remind me of someone who I hold very dear to my heart but can also kind of like be a bit disorganized I guess so I mean yeah I don't know I I should probably look up like the real Mark Ashton like how he actually behaved because I know that he was actually a lot more um organized and more like steadfast I guess whereas this one was definitely kind of and his arc as well was very much about him cutting in and out and having trouble with that because of his own like personal issues you know him yes. coming to terms with that and um yes because through through the movie he discovers that he has hiv that he's hiv positive mm-hmm. and um then it kind of becomes a little bit about you know like why is he doing this why is he continuing to support the miners does that affect him in how he's his new diagnosis and that kind of thing i think it does bear a little bit but not it's not a huge like thing in the movie his hiv status um Mm. because there is another character jonathan who uh is hiv positive and he starts out in the movie um when the movie begins he is already diagnosed um so it doesn't necessarily like waste time i don't know if that's the way i should phrase it but it the movie doesn't necessarily spend a lot of time talking about hiv and aids yeah it's not it's it's like almost subtextual like yes like when i first watched it i didn't even notice it yeah um and um like sort of like the lingering look to a poster or like the like moment where he shares a scene with a dude who was about to die and he then and it's clear that they had some sort of relationship mm. and, and um, it's possible that um the the guy who is dying is the one who passed the hiv on to mark exactly yeah um i mean the thing is that it's also like i quite liked it that way because uh, you know by the end you have this like you know, the sequence where they're talking about how everyone sort of went out into the world following this enormous um, event, and a lot of them are happy stories, a lot of them are really, but it is bittersweet, because there is a, a, you know, a lingering shot of Mark, like, in his element, he's got a megaphone, he's on someone's shoulders, and it says that he died at age 26, you know, and you kind of, like, you know, it's like, it's like a forcing you to reconcile with it, you know, like, Mm. it's, it's, 
it's um it's like it just like completely like is in your face and like shocks you to your core when you're like oh my god first of all (laughs) he was 26 yeah and you know and it's it's yeah like i mean you're right it doesn't focus on hiv um reckon because it was like 1984 and it was like just getting into the swing of it yeah um so to speak so um but i definitely appreciated his like yeah is that the way they handled that yeah i'm not i should have done a bit of research on this i'm not sure how prolific aids was in the uk in 1984 um Mm. that's something for the patreon i guess i can do i can do um, a report on that um so the next character i want to talk about was die who's played by patty considine so um die is one of the miners from delays who speaks at the pits and perverts fest, uh, benefit um so he's the one who's kind of heading up the strike and uh he's also the point of contact for the lgsm basically when they talk to the miners they talk to die um he's mild-mannered and he's well-spoken and he also befriends the queer people and stands up for them so um between Dai and the LGSM they kind of strike up this really really great friendship um where the LGSM are helping the miners and the miners are also doing what they can for the LGSM and for the queer people in Britain yeah yeah absolutely um and Dai is like yeah that um um very much like that representative of um that beginning of that solidarity like you know like they have a conversation at a point in the film when sort of sort of Mark Ashton is talking to Di and he's like, look, you know, like I've never really understood, you know, single cause activism where you're only a women's right activist or you're only a gay mm. rights activist. Like you have to have like solidarity with movements and, mm. you know, and Di is like, oh, we have the exact same thing. Um, and it's like a really good, like, I don't know, like I think that there's, I think a lot of like, a lot is lost when we consider that like, people who live in rural towns and people who are that you know that kind of blue collar rural worker is kind of not is inherently homophobic or is inherently yeah. you know not willing to make, do the work to to um help Support out other, other people when, yeah yeah when you know it's like it's often it's working class people who are pushing the fight like um i think i mentioned in the in the notes um the macquarie university mm. kind of right um, when the BLF, who were just these, like, you know, tradies, basically, who were working on the construction of it, um, and during the time of that construction, a gay kid got expelled for being gay. Yes. Um, and for being out. And, you know, this was in the 1970s, and then the BLF were like, well, you know, <laughs> like, this kid came up to them and he was like, I've just, I've just been kicked out of uni. Can you, you know, out of the kindness of your heart, I'm not expecting you to, but could you do something about that? And they were like, oh, yeah, we're on board. We're going to strike until mm. the, the uni lets you back in. And it worked. It's a really important kind of lesson in terms of that a lot of us all have the same things in mind. Like for us city gays, uh, you know, as it were, you know, we obviously have issues of like religious discrimination and, and you know, all these like stuff here that like makes us feel you know, unwelcome and unsafe. And it's, you know, tenfold for, pe- for, first of all, gay people in rural areas, but then the fact that they have to deal with rural area problems, like, mm. you know, like being isolated. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it's like, it's such a, 
untapped, I guess, um, source of hope, those those moments of solidarity between people like, you know, like the the London LGSM and the the um, July uh, miners uh, community. Mm. Yeah, and die kind of represents that that um, bridging the divide between the two. And I yeah, think he absolutely. makes a really great character, actually. Mm. Um, next one is Gethin, who's played by Andrew Gethin. Scott, um, the Welsh guy. Andrew Scott, yeah. <laughs> so he's in a relationship with Jonathan in the film, but in reality he wasn't. Jonathan's partner was a man named Nigel, um, who, as far as I'm aware, doesn't appear in the film. Um, but Gethin has issues with his mother not accepting him, but during the film he makes up with her, um, so he makes the effort to, like, go to her house, like, go back to Wales and go back to her house and try and, um, make up with her again. There's a really great moment where I think, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he says something like, I'm Welsh and I'm gay and I'm proud or something. Yeah, it was really, that was a really good one, yeah, it was like, um, like a little like coming down from like a really big night and they're all like drinking and he's like I can't believe that um, I'm home I'm gay and I'm Welsh you know <laughs> and it's just like the pride where he's, he's actually able to like claim his national identity alongside his sexual identity yeah and, you know, come to terms with that I did see that you mentioned as well that like um there is a moment where Imelda Staunton's character um, is kind of like, you know, yeah, communication is a two-way street, which you wouldn't even say that to someone who's just been rejected. Um, but at the same time, obviously, I, I, I really like the, um, yeah, like that sweetness of him sort of deciding, even not for his mom, but just for himself to yeah. be like, well, I want this to be fixed, so I'm going to try and fix it. But at the same time, it's still a bit of like an iffy moment. But <laughs> I remember yeah. watching and I was like, well, I think maybe it'd be better if she reached out. But that's neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I think I think maybe he was the one who needed to reach out because I don't know if she would be able to get in contact with him. But also right, at the same yeah. time telling someone who is a victim of homophobia that they need to be the one to reach out is like, uh, no... Yeah, it, it's just, it's, I think it's, it was like a lack of understanding. And also, like, the way that he reaches her is by her house. And so yeah. if she had been, like, a violent, homophobic person, that could have gone down south very quickly. Exactly. But, um, as, yeah, as for Gethin as a character, he's, like, really cool. I don't know the, like, reason behind why they changed it. I figure it might have been, like, a privacy thing for, for Nigel, unless, well, mm-hmm. obviously, it's clear that, you know, Nigel obviously is you know alive and not this person yeah but at any rate i think he's a really good character i really like the kind of um he's like quiet strength i guess yeah he's like he just runs the bookshop and he you know he'll get a brick through his window and spray paint on his shop you know however many times a week but every time he'll just like clean the glass and make a snappy comment about it and be like okay yeah at least we're we're helping people (laughs) He also gets beaten up in the film. He gets um, abused, physically, um, violently abused, and ends up in hospital. Um, So I I did appreciate that they didn't show him being beaten up, because that would have been really confronting. Yeah. And it doesn't, 
um, shy away from the fact that violence was an everyday occurrence in the lives of queer people living in the UK in the 80s. Um, so, like you were saying, he gets spray paint on his on his shop and like a brick through the window and and that kind of thing. So he doesn't shy away from showing things like that. But yeah, it was really nice that they didn't show him getting violently beaten up. That would have been awful. Because I did yeah, see this movie like two or three times. Yeah, and the fact that they allude to it too is like. You know, when, um, when they first start going out and they're like, first rule of the group is that no one goes out alone. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, he's he's one of the people who can't deal with it once they can't help anymore. Like, he, it's given him so much to be able to see his mum again and to be able to reconnect with his heritage in that way that, like, losing that, he couldn't really deal with it and it made him, it made him slip up once. And <laughs> once was enough to just, you know, um, to be vulnerable and um that would be victim to that but um it's also good that like there's enough time like shown between you know the few seconds before he does get bashed and then like you know you know a couple like a week or so later in the hospital bed where he's like sort of like smiling and he's got his mum there and yeah he's kind of like moved on from it you know that also just shows like the progression of like these people had to live with this but they didn't let it you know find them they were like you know what we're going to try and make this better like there's nothing we can do except to like love each other and and hope that someday this isn't going to happen yeah that's a really lovely message and they do rally around each other they are really supportive of each other and i think that kind of speaks Mm -hmm. to the fact that like they need to be supportive of each other because the wider society isn't supportive of them it's not supportive of them or the miners and so they need to like band together to like be each other's support and hope that through their actions that change happens oh absolutely yeah it's yeah it's like for survival yeah Mm. so jonathan who is gethin's partner um is fun energetic and unashamedly gay he Mm. um dances (laughs) he dances at the miners event in delays um and gets all the women interested in dancing and then gets the men interested in dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the real life Jonathan became a fashion designer and he was one of the first people in the UK to be diagnosed as HIV positive. Um, and he, at the time of this movie, actually a little bit beyond it, um, he was still alive. I'm not, I can't find any information about him now but he was still alive at the time this movie came out and so it's pretty amazing that he was one of the first people in the uk to be diagnosed and he's still alive as far as i'm aware Mm. um yeah i mean when it comes down to it as well the uk had a much better healthcare system than america mm, as far as i'm aware mm. i mean still does but um you know like (laughs) this is actually very very um on the nose with the coronavirus stuff going on because you know the idea that we can trust the government to kind of take care of pandemics in an apolitical way is just ridiculous when you think of the amount of research funds that are withheld and the the silence about it from the government that occurred when the AIDS crisis was happening. Like, there needs to be a genuine talk about healthcare. Um, You know, it's like, it's it's so important now more than ever. 
but um, definitely back then as well, it was, yeah, a big, big, big thing. And yeah, it's, it is really lovely. He's a good, I really like his character, especially yeah. because he had to be convinced to kind of get back into it. Um, and it's implied that he used to be in gay lib, so like obviously the gay liberation front, um, back when it was just, you know, <laughs> the gays, that was, that was the only letter of the acronym. Um, <laughs> And, you know, them kind of just, like, you know, pushing for a better thing. And it seems like he's very disillusioned at this point. Pretty understandable um, since, you know, the AIDS crisis sent people back, sent us all back, you know, decades in terms of the progression of the, the equity rights movement for LGBTI yeah. people. Um, and then, um, but no, he's, uh, he's like a really good, like, unapologetic character he really yeah. just does not give a shit well, yeah he, he really does doesn't. But, but he'll tell you and then he'll chew you out for it you know he's um in one of the first scenes we see him he's just dancing in the street singing about being gay yeah and then he's in like a fur coat and he's like got a whistle and he's like pissing everyone off and he's like it's fine he's like <laughs> he brought a lot of uh personality and joie de vivre to the sh- to the movie i think Oh, absolutely. A lot of dry wit and a lot of, yeah, a mm. lot of heart. Which mm. is absolutely. Really and uh, really helped with um, the mining community in terms of, like, letting them or helping them to let themselves be a bit freer in their expression. Um, yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, um, like I said, like, with um, with, like, rural communities, sometimes they don't have access to the kind of, like, um, resources that we have mm. and so the fact that they were like they were like petrified because they were like yeah the police just come in and take anyone now you know mm. and like you know yeah like the men never dance they're like they can't move their hips or anything like yes they can and no the cops can't do that yeah. and you know these people coming in to say no look <laughs> we live in a place where the population density is like enormous we're around other people we know our rights we have this information circulating you guys don't have access to it. That's terrible. And that's why it's so important that they go on these trips to actually be there for these miners. Mm. And they're like, look, you know, you've got to, you've got to take a stand, you know, and Mm. convince them to, yeah, like express themselves for the dudes, you know, who can't dance, but more than that, to like give them permission to, to buck off the, (laughs) the oppression, you know, which is like really lovely. Yeah. Mm. And also, like you you just alluded to, but the laws that they were talking about, like the LGSM knows the laws. Like Jonathan was gives this speech about um, what the police can and can't do, and they actually take that into the police station. One of the characters and is like, "You can't do this. These are my sons. You can't, you know, you can't lock them up. You have to give them a fair trial, or etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, and and so it's Jonathan who, like, gives them this information. And as we know, information is freeing. Information is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, also in a way they kind of, they, them being there helps other, like, for example, the, um, oh, God, I've forgotten his name. Um, Bill Nye's character, Cliff. at any rate, it helped, yeah, um, they help him to sort of, like, come to terms with that and understand that his community will support him. You know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, he didn't, he maybe he didn't even know, but he didn't feel comfortable coming out until towards the end of the movie. 
Um, and it was just to one person, but he wouldn't have done that had he not met the LGSM. Mm, absolutely, yeah. So Sean, Sean James, is um, one of the uh, Maya's yeah. wives. Um, so she gets involved with LGSM through um, the miners' strike, obviously, and advocates with them. She becomes like really close with them. She becomes a really good ally. Um, so she starts off as a housewife and eventually becomes the uh, MP of Swansea um, after the film is finished. Uh, yeah. mm. So in real life, she yeah. became the, and one of the MPs of Swansea. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I will say first of all, like amazing to have a plus size woman like mm. in probably probably not quite the main cast, but definitely the supporting cast. And to the extent that she's in it, mm. like it's just it's like refreshing to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then yeah, and she's got a great arc um, of her just like. I guess, I guess with her, like, what I really loved is the connection between the women's rights movement and the gay liberation front, or, like, you know, the fight for equality for us. And mm. um, particularly because, like, in Australia, with our history, generally what happened was we were emboldened, or, you know, um, LGBT people were kind of emboldened once the birth control control pill came out. Because that's when you started to separate sex from, like, your anatomy and, like, mm. your role from, you know, or sex from pro- procreation, essentially, and then anatomy from role. And so you actually got to see people who were deviating in harmless ways, able to express themselves and fight for equal treatment. And, you know, for her, like, she's also impacted as, as like, a woman, right? Mm. And there's, like, there's also, like, one of the other, other minors' wives who gets, like, a talk done. Like, um, Steph gives her, like, a talk where she's like, no, sex isn't just for the men, it's for the women too. Mm. And then there's, like, a weird kind of non-consensual kiss in there that's, like, a, you know, ha-ha-ha. <laughs> she's like, oh, okay, cool, <laughs> I guess. But, um, but for sure, um, like, the women of that town are kind of, like, also given permission to express themselves and you know be bold about what they want and how they want to live yeah so it's not just the men or um cliff who gets emboldened by the lgsm but also like you were saying um the women can like use their fight for equality to help the lgsm and the lgsm can help their fight for equality to help women and so it's a really like kind of symbiotic relationship there it's really cool absolutely yeah Mm. What about Hafina, who's played by Imelda Staunton? She mm, is a yeah. member of the strike committee, and she's sharp-witted, and she takes no shit, and her husband died in a mine shaft. Yeah, so. she's great. Imelda Staunton is such a talented actor. Like, oh, my God, I love her so much. So much presence. Yeah. Um, but her character is great. Yeah, she's, like, um, total powerhouse. She completely sort of has control i guess yeah like she does wield a lot of power over like not just like the wives who are part of the committee but she's like a very important part of the the machinations of the of the strife Mm. she's you know she's right there distributing you know um food and blankets and water and stuff like that and uh, making sure people are you know their well-being is all right and and she's one of the first people to be on the front line willing to be like why are you not fraternizing with LGSM like you would any other group? Yeah. 
like it's completely on you know and she's 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 just great yeah I don't know, I don't really have many opinions of her just other than just that she's, she's like, great. yeah, you're right, basically what you said, that she takes no shit and that she's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's pretty cool. Um, but I think she, is she the one that says to um, Gethin that he needs to talk to his mother mm. again? So that was a bit... Mm. That, yeah, um... she's also the one that told Cliff, like, I've known since, like, 1962... Yeah. And that's generally not what you're supposed to say to a gay person when they come out. But no. it's, you know. I think this movie like, um this movie takes some moments that really aren't like how you're supposed to be taking them and turns them into like this it's it's sort of tries to make them feel good moments, but it doesn't really work. There's a real disconnect there. Like when she tells Gethin that he needs to basically buck up and talk to his mother again, um, there's kind of like, you can't really say that to someone who's been a victim of homophobia, um, that yeah. they need to just get over it. And it, you know, communication is a two-way street. Yeah, well, I'm sure he tried communicating only to have his mother completely cut him out of her life. And also the second instance, like we were just saying, with uh, with Cliff coming out as gay and her going, well, I've known all this time. It's like like you were saying, that's not something that uh, someone who's just come out and really needs to hear. But yeah, um, it's like a safety concern. Like for gay people, like we do like to have the knowledge in the back of our head that like I could pass this straight anytime I want. Mm. Right? I can. I know how to do makeup i know how to i have like enough clothes in my closet to pass completely fine i choose not to mm. um but if i ever felt like i was going to be in an unsafe situation i know that i could completely erase that part of myself which is sad but it's true mm. um and i actually i saw this amazing film at the film fest the mardi gras film fest which is this bolivian film called two men monks a little bit off track but basically they they said the same thing they said that like you know at this point we're masters of of you know leading a double life like you will not know us until we let you know us and mm. so like you write people to kind of be like yeah i've known the whole time it, it compromises that because our safety rests on our ability to go unnoticed yeah you know, on our ability to stay positive because yeah. we can't be out of the all the time that's not feasible whatsoever and so to kind of say that to a person is just to completely compromise their sense of safety because you've got to you've got to be able to be in the closet sometimes. Mm. And if you can say like, yeah, like this whole time you've been in the closet, you actually haven't. Been. Yeah, I've been able to. It's like, well, great, <laughs> thanks. And it's also but, um, very. I don't know the word for it, but when someone tells you something that, like, you've just figured out for yourself and then they t basically turn around and tell you, well, I've known all along, it's like they're saying that they know you better than you yeah. do. And it's mm. it's very... Oh, I don't even know the word that I'm looking for. But it's very jarring. Sorry, there is a noise that's happening outside my apartment right now. No problem. Um... I don't think it's going away, so we'll just have to keep soldiering on. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so we want to talk about Cliff now? Cliff, yeah, sure. Um, so he was definitely one of the... I think he was, like, a really lovely... He was one of the people, like... I guess it's a um, strength of an ensemble film when you're able to have multiple arcs that don't need more than one or two scenes to be, or more than two or three scenes more like, to be completed. And mm. for him, it was kind of like, 
you know, at least his coming out arc at any rate, him sort of being just like a consistent character, you know, him having important scenes like going and speaking to um, like the, I guess, antagonist of the film and then also not being able to stand up at the meeting. Mm. But then him just like coming out to Hafina and then later at the march finding the gay poetry contingent yeah. and sort of like smiling and getting to be with them. That was so like, you know, such a wholesome moment that just gives you, it's like... Very affirming. It's just, it, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not a lot of, you know... It's not a massive arc where you get to see him change and grow and stuff. It's just like, well, this is nice to see that he got a happy ending, at least. Yeah. Because you don't get that from other characters. Yeah, absolutely. I've just figured out what that noise is, and someone is mowing the lawn. Oh. Can so, it be? Oh, I don't know what it's like up there. But, it's um, really hot. It's yeah. so hot. It's so humid. Yeah, I hope Scott Morrison is sweating. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's boiling on. alive. Mm. Oh, that's a cute hat. Oh, you can see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I stole it from the L'Oreal. Um, like, <laughs> I was like, "Fuck your beauty standards." I'm taking <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, <laughs> just awesome. found it on my bed. Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, um, so Cliff is closeted, and he comes out to Hafina at the end. Um, so he's also a member of the strike committee and an ally to LGSM, and he does stand up for the LGSM, but he doesn't deliver a very good speech, and the committee votes them down. So that's one of the, like you were talking about, that's one of the things that he has to overcome in the film, and he never quite does overcome that, I don't think. It doesn't, the film doesn't really spend too much time on it, but, um, yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's very quiet. A lot of them are, like, quite sort of quiet yeah. people who they don't want to be involved in this. And it's, like, it's really interesting to see, like, like, I guess you wouldn't expect those people to be involved in politics, you know, if, if it wasn't, like, a survival thing for them, which, like, I'm, I'm, I don't hold that against people. I'm, like, if you're, if, you know, you can't get into politics for some reason, then, like, I'm not going to spend my time, like, harassing you about it. But, like, they probably wouldn't, right? And it's interesting to see how they kind of deal with that. Mm. Um, there's lots of apolitical people um, out there, and you know the sort of like quiet ones, like they actually end up having this like quiet strength and this ability to actually, you know, really connect with people, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, in that movement, which sometimes you don't see because a lot of us are just loud and very angry loud. And yes <laughs> right, right now <laughs> yeah no that's a good that's a good like juxtaposition between the two groups you've got the miners who are generally like kind of quiet and reserved and um and then you've got the lgsm who are generally loud and obnoxious and very gay uh, yeah. and very larger than life but um yeah, so it's kind of, like, nice to see that those two groups can still have, like, as the theme of the film is, solidarity between them. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, last character, Joe. Joe. Let's talk about Ooh, Joe. yeah, I think we disagree a bit about him, but I really like his character. Um, I thought that he was a good sort of shoo-in, especially because... Um, I don't know, like, part of the, the I guess, um, the, the charm about Pride for me is just that it romanticizes the grassroots movement. Mm. 
because I didn't used to be a part of it, and I was always like, oh, I'd love to join a grassroots campaign. I'd love to be like LDSM and go out and like shake buckets and we like meet in a cool bookshop and we have road trips and stuff. I think that would be so cool. And then I actually got involved and I was like, it's a lot more work than that. Yeah. Um, but you know, you find yourself doing the same things that they do. You know, they have like pay stops and stuff where the, you know it's at night time and they're have to run from the cops while they're blowing up these posters and I'm like oh yeah I remember going out at 12 a.m and getting you know putting posters around a pole unless there are cops listening to this podcast in which case I don't do anything illegal fuck the cops Um, yeah (laughs) um but then you know yeah and you'll go on like bus tours and stuff to these places and it's like less glamorous than the gorgeous wide shots show you but there's still that incredible sense of solidarity mm. and you know sort of like I guess even if it is with it slightly rose tinted I do like that it's you know it shows activism that way and Joe is a good way to do that you know him just like being amazed by you know and being also like getting his confidence by doing that like you sort of start to see him as this like 20 year old like you know shaking in his boots taking up not a lot of space just kind of like along for the ride kind of little puppy and then Mm. like as it goes on as he's forced to like deal with this kind of stuff he's like wow this is like important and i haven't been a part of it like it's such it's 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 you know and also just the social aspect of activism as well Mm. and so him him being that lens kind of it it made me want to get into it so when i had the opportunity i took it um, which I think is just like a good real world, I guess, byproduct. Yeah. But then also just that makes it a very a very feel good film. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great that you were like you got something from it that you were able to translate that to real life and actually do something with that. I think that's awesome. But my problem is the film is just like too romantic. It's it's right. too sentimental. I just couldn't connect with it really at all. Um, and like Joe was part of that in that he's a made-up character and the story is told through his point of view but he's an audience insert character so it's like we get um we get an understanding of what's happening through his point of view but his point of view is so limited because he doesn't really understand what's going on doesn't have much of an idea of the grassroots movements and how to actually um do politics I guess in a way that matters and and I would have really preferred if uh, Mark had been the main character. I think that would have just been um, a really like awesome and poignant story to have a man who is the leader of the group and who starts this movement and then who also develops AIDS um, or HIV, I should say. Um, and but instead we have Joe, who is basically a nothing character. He has like no personality. <laughs> And maybe I'm being too mean, but <laughs> no, I mean I get what you're saying. Yeah. So with Mark Ashton, I think I mentioned as well. Like with him, I think he is such a good like um, character and a good historical figure that I'm like, I want to see a film that's all about him. I guess that's not just about this movement specifically. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Harvey Milk kind of thing, you know, like yeah. to actually look at his like lives growing up or something like that, and like being able to, you know, like expand on that um, mm. because he had definitely a lot of causes that he was fighting for. Um, and this specifically, I it was like a, a 
a snapshot of like an event instead of like a person, which is why the yeah. ensemble film I think worked really well. Okay. Um, and also just because, <laughs> look, I'm like a hopeless romantic. Okay, like I just love, like not even just like a romantic in terms of like love. I'm just like, oh, I love it when films make me feel happy. Like <laughs> I'm really the storytelling or not. I love it. Um, but so you, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, that's why I liked that it was a feel-good film, and I was like, if it had ended with Mark Ashton, then you would have had to, like, kill off your main character, and that would have been, like, a, you know, like, yeah. a, you know, like, it would have definitely made the tone of the film very different, it would have been a, it would have been a, a very shocking, which could have been very good cinema, yeah, but not a very happy cinema, so. No, and I think that's um, ten, really what the movie was going for, was a happy atmosphere. Mm, yeah and like you know it's like it's like a lot of films where there'll be lots of instances of like serious like hardship like serious Mm. like people are starving people are like you know um people getting beat up people are being quarantined by their parents because they came out of the closet or their parents found out about stuff and like it's just it's so much stuff but there's also those those tender moments and those moments of hope that like it, it makes it like a it sort of like brings it to the front and it's like yes even though a lot of these people are dead now some of them you know within years of the of when the movie is set mm. and you know even though the miners strike ended we end up you know we have obviously uh tight discrimination or discrimination laws in britain and we have you know this legacy and we have people who are still alive and we have these you know these people who you know yes their life had bad things but they had good things too it's the human experience you know yeah so that's okay (laughs) so to show that um that there were like hardships that they faced throughout this journey of of supporting the minor strike um but also to show that they in the end it was a positive experience for them yeah and it was it was like you said it was symbiotic at the end with the miners as well it was like this this helped them both and you know we can learn from that we can totally we're totally able to to take that and you know apply it to other areas you know mm. like like you know like the, the connection between women's live and mm. you know absolutely our, our struggle and um the fight between you know especially for like racial justice mm. um alongside the class struggle right mm. um so like indigenous rights and workers rights and prison abolition and the you know all that kind of stuff yeah it's all absolutely. under capitalism so <laughs> we need to have some value anywhere <laughs> yeah and uh like mark says in the film that um there's not there's like no point in just being a member of one of these fights like you have to have some sort of intersectionality between like you were saying you know workers rights class rights indigenous rights queer rights women's rights those kinds of things um because otherwise there's like it's just people trying to vie for power other than Mm. people supporting each other yeah and that's when you end up with like women ceos and like oh, you know bosses like, what are they oh, called like, boss bitches um <laughs> girl boss um, yeah lady or like i don't know girl boss girl boss <laughs> is like uh, 
Yeah, and like people like Obama, who's like the first black president, but also like deported so many people and killed so many people in like drone attacks. Yeah, so there like, were like 500 yep. drone attacks or something. Like he, he yeah, committed like, more drone know. attacks than the entire Bush administration. Absolutely, yeah. So it's like, yes, a, a minority is now in a position of power. A single minority is in a position of power, but like that does nothing for collective you know, rights the prison pipeline that yeah. black kids are getting forced into or the school to military pipeline that like poor kids are getting put into and like it you know it's like yeah like you said like the film says it's, it's pointless unless you you sort of like look at the broader issue of like intersectionality that's the yeah. broader issue <laughs> what are they going to do with their wealth then mm. Yeah. We give it to their children, and then their children become rich, and then we eat them, and then they give their money to their children, and then we they become rich, and then we eat their children, and it's just an ongoing cycle. Or we could be anarcho-communists and just, you know, lock up the up billionaires. Fuck currency, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Okay, um, do you want to talk about the positives or negatives first? Um, um, I don't know. I reckon you should decide. Okay, let's go. Your positives. So, um, the positives. I found Mark Ashton really delightful and funny and charming, and he's just like just the kind of person that you want to see leading a movement. Um, I think I already kind of talked about this before, but I reckon he should have been the main character. Um, but like you were saying, I actually think you were right in saying that it should have been a movie about him and not necessarily just this movement if it was going to be about Mark. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a, uh, a, a, like a really good, <laughs> he's like a shining light in that film, honestly. Yeah. Like, ben did such a good role. I found him in other stuff as well because I was like, this is really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was really and... young at the time as well. Yeah, um, and it's really nice to kind of see people like you as well. I mean, I wish they had have gone like leaned a little harder into like his actual real life counterpart. Mm. It was a lot more like, I'm a commie, deal with it. Oh, okay, you know? there you go. Yeah, yeah. I found um, that yeah, I found that most of the characters were really interesting and that we used well together. Like the actors really like played off against each other really well, and they were like really funny and charismatic. I really liked Joe Gilgan. Like I saw him in um, Misfits, and I hate his character in Misfits. His character is disgusting, but I actually really like Joe Gilgan. I think he's like a really funny, interesting guy. Um, but yeah, the characters were really interesting, and I liked that. They did use an ensemble cast, and they gave, they gave like weight to most of the characters. They gave them their little side stories and um, some arcs in there. Um, and even if they didn't give them arcs, they gave them like a fully rounded personality. Like I think, even aside from the political side of it, which I'm always inclined to just find the political in any movie, yeah. but like it's just in terms of the filmmaking, like they really managed to make these people three dimensional, which yeah. I thought was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they really care about each other as well, which is very clear. I found that, well, I think I talked about this before, but it doesn't sanitize the politics of the 80s. Um, it could have gone a little harder on demonizing Thatcher, but, like, the film isn't necessarily 
about that so much as it is about solidarity between the LGSM and the miners. But still, you could have like really railed into Thatcher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she, oh God, that woman. <laughs> but no, yeah, um, I think there was like, you know, there's like a, a bit on, on Mark Ashton's telly in the opening scene where she's mm. talking. And mm-hmm. then there's at the very end, they say they have a sign that says screw you Thatcher mm. and that's kind of it and so you it, I think it would have been good for them to sort of like hammer home the the, the you know the, the actual problem which yeah is, yeah exactly which is Thatcher like she was like she was like a brutal a brutal like minister like god <laughs> um um and but yeah no they definitely did good with their sort of like that sort of political thing and also just like the smaller bits of politics like when um, Mark Ashton goes out for a smoke break um, with his friend and they're like tossing the cigarette back and forth and they're like yeah like you know we've got to keep their hopes up because there's nothing worse than a lost cause who feel like they're a lost cause like yeah. hope is such a huge bit yeah. um, and it's like vague but it's like well yeah that's you know that's such an important part well I think that yeah. really kind of encapsulates the miners and in their strike at that moment was like they were, I mean, it was, was it a year-long strike that they went on? Almost a year, yeah. Almost a year, yeah. Um, And the the LGSM were, like, raising lots of money for them and they kind of injected, like, a lot of hope into their situation and, um, Uh, yeah, so I think it really helped, even though they didn't, they didn't win, did they? They didn't win the strike? No. Um, I think there might have been a, no, actually, I don't think they did. But it's, like, famous. It's, like, that's the mm. thing. Like, they didn't win that strike. But the amount of power that got behind it, like, in yeah. some ways that, you know, at least we have that to be, like, you know, a, a good display of strength. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's a good piece of, uh, like, queer history that might not have survived without this film. I was reading a couple of interviews and they were saying things like... Um, like people had only known about it when they'd go to a specific museum and they'd learn about it through there but then other than that no one actually really knew about it in like a couple decades on from the strike so Mm. i think this movie is a good way of um encapsulating that moment and that year and and kind of bringing it to light and bringing it into a new audience and yeah yeah absolutely um I think there's a lot of, like, queer history that gets lost because we're a community that's, like, we're not, I guess, I don't know, it's kind of hard to, like, categorize us because we're not a community that is bound together by any kind of, um, like, relation, like, blood relation, you know? Yeah. Like, um, it's not like, it's not like, for example, the Jewish community or um, the indigenous community or... You know, any racial minority where it's like you, your parents will will have a connection that you also have you know mm. whereas gay kids most have straight parents you know? mm. and that's just like a different relate that's like a different form of oppression like a different um experience of it it's not better or worse but it's just that like we obviously have the issue of isolation and we have the issue of lots of people will you know in history will live like us and and you know um, have amazing experiences and, and note them down but have no one to give them to because there's no community we didn't have a community until the world started getting more globalised yeah you know so, 
Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets lost, and so you're right. It is, it is really good to have that because I didn't know about it either mm. until I saw it. Yeah, absolutely. I had no idea, and especially because it's like a piece of UK history, and we live in Australia, yeah. so there's not necessarily going to be like people talking who were alive during that time coming to Australia and talking about it necessarily. Mm-hmm. And like, if even if they did, which you know, a lot of a lot of pommies assimilate to Australia. That's fine. But, um, yeah, it's not necessarily a widely talked about um, piece of culture or piece of history. Yeah, and a lot of queer history is also, like, Americanized. Like, you yeah. kind of, like, you go to Stonewall and you hear about, um, like, the lavender scare and stuff yeah. like that. But, like, Australian history as well, like, I did not know anything about it. Like, I have started researching, but it's like, hard to find. Yeah. Because so, we don't have, like, a here or anything. Sorry? So... We don't have a gay, like a gay and lesbian museum like they do in Melbourne. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So we kind of like there's books that I can take out and stuff, but you've got to do your own research. There's yeah. Not a ton of like historical, I guess, stuff like that. Well, I hadn't even heard about the gay liberation at Macquarie until I read your notes. Really? Yeah, I had no idea about yeah. it. Yeah. I only learned about that at a religious discrimination rally, kind of like a, a like a afterwards they did like a sit down and everyone sort of like chatted you know it grilled and um everyone was talking and there was like a discussion and talking about like how to move past this and better organizing other stuff coming up and it came up it's like a big big moment yeah wow yeah i had no idea no one's ever talked about it to me or if they have i haven't clocked it so maybe it's my fault (laughs) maybe someone has mentioned it and i just didn't listen well, that's the thing. Like, it, I mean, it's really just like luck of the draw whether you're exposed to this stuff or not. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Which is, like, having a big budget film like this is like so important. You know? Yeah. Like, we have love, Simon, but that's not gonna, you know. Well, that's not a piece of history. That's just like a fluffy yeah, exactly. movie. Exactly. It's like it's like a fun. It, it does its job, but it's like it's not gonna teach us about our our history of the struggle against the man. And you know? it's just like a feel good kind of film, which I also liked because it was a feel good film, but. It, it still had its problems, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to this film. Um, it balances public action and private feelings, which was another thing yeah. I, I found as a positive about it. So, like, Mark Ashton's battle with HIV is contrasted with his public battle for the minors' rights and acceptance for gays and lesbians. Um, and also Gethin's story with his mother accepting him, that's kind of like played alongside the acceptance from the Welsh mining community and it kind of points to this idea of like the personal being political. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the kind of like idea of like a personal versus, you know, political, it's like, like I think that's always been like an issue as long as like we've actually been fighting for stuff, which I guess is around like... 1940s and 50s I think was like the beginning of it mm. um you know aside from small things you know from like the 1800s um but like yeah being gay bi trans lesbian um or just queer in general like you know having it as a personal identity versus as a political experience um is something that you know radicalizes a lot of people and it's something that I think was demonstrated pretty well I think in the film mm. um and, you know, that's also why I liked Joe's character so much because he was, like, the epitome of the, the personal and the political coming together because he tries so hard to keep them separate. 
Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I can't let my parents find out that I'm not going to cooking class. I'm instead yeah. fraternizing with like these deviants. <laughs> well, he doesn't think that, but it's what his parents would think. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, he's obviously right to, to keep it from them because they're like, yeah, you know, it's a very lonely lifestyle. And then they shut him up in his room so he can't see anyone. So yeah. eight job there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think especially in the 1980s, coming out was like I mean they, they, they were right to say it but like coming out was like the big thing you could do as like an activist it's um, you know being like very clear um, about kind of you know coming out as a political act mm. um, and as a meaningful effort for you know equality um, since you know like I said we walk invisible um, you know basically in society until someone decides to take a stand and so for you know especially in small towns you know and especially just like for people to to because you have like a place as a person like you are someone's neighbor you are someone's kid you are someone's whatever you know people you're someone's sister or someone's brother you're someone's friend you're someone's lover all this kind of stuff that like you know when you come out you're saying like look this meaningful person in your community is, you know, you need us. Like if you're the only butcher in your whole community and you come out, then people are either going to have to accept you or get their meat elsewhere. And sometimes they go through the trouble to get their meat elsewhere. Yeah. But it's a statement saying that like, we've been here forever and we will be here forever. And, you know, humans are an inherently dependent species on community. So you're going to have to deal with it. And making that statement by coming out is like, you know and still is um it was and still is political absolutely um and so him kind of bridging the gap between there by coming out him being like making this political thing which is coming out but then him having his personal life as a huge part of the film and getting to like make that clear that like he doesn't his parents need him more than he needs them he has friends he has a community that he can go back to who are more supportive and you know it's it's like I think it was I think it was handled really well. Well, I found it to be more like um, he didn't really make any choices in the film. He was kind of very passive in that. Like one of the choices he did make was to say that he has a camera and that he wants to do the job of being the photographer for the LGSM. So that kind of kickstarts his involvement in the LGSM really. But um, mm. most, like, when he he was outed because he had that scrapbook that he was looking, that he was um, posting his um, headlines and pictures and stuff in. So his sister actually found that and then his, like, obviously gave it to his mother. And then, so he didn't actually come out to them. That was, that experience was no. robbed of him. And so it Absolutely. was very passive in that it was basically done to him instead of him mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but then that sequence where he, he sees what's going on on the telly and he sneaks out, and then Mark has that really important discussion with him about, like, when are you going to own up to the fact that you're... Like, he doesn't say it, obviously, in these words, but he says, like, you're a gay man, we both know this, you've kissed dudes, like, <laughs> fucking in front of me while I was speaking, like it's like it's this whole situation where he's like you need to stop being afraid you have got to stop like 
you can't just keep running, you know. And mm. Joe really takes it to heart. And you know, you see uh, earlier in the film, he's like, "Just, just drop me off here. Don't, don't go to my door. Yeah. Don't do this and that." But his sister is literally having like a baby christening, which is like the epitome of the heteropatriarchy. <laughs> and he's like in this van that says this, like the gays and lesbians supporting the minors group. Yeah. And he gets this like woman to like drive him to his door and then he goes in he gets his backpack and he's like that's it yeah and then he has like, his little like back talk to his parents and he's like that perm never worked for you and then he just leaves you know mm. mic drop yeah. moment yeah um and I guess that that's what I would consider his coming out moment because he is very petrified after he is outed mm. he's very much like no I'll just do what my parents say I'll stay here I won't go looking for anyone I won't do anything you know, he just takes it until he sort of, like, is forced to reckon with, like, oh, Gethin's in hospital and the strike finished. I didn't know anything about it, you know. Yeah, but again, that's that's him being passive, like, passive yeah. as a character as opposed to actually doing something. Um, the Another thing that I really liked about it was how it supports unions, which are, like, the driving force behind the fight for class and economic equality. Um, Mm -hmm. so it really put forward the idea that unions are really important and I think that's that's something that a lot of people don't really understand even today like especially millennials and younger that unions are like why we have the 40-hour work week why we have weekends why we have pay like um why we have uh minimum wage minimum wage and Yeah. yeah and things like that and so it's really important to support unions and be a part of your union and I would, if I had any money, <laughs> yeah. to be a part of the uh, Writers' Union um, of Australia, yeah. I think it's called. So it is really important to show that unions are an important part of society and they just the support that you can get from them. Like, it's showing how queer people are supporting minors, how minors are supporting queer people, how, how unions are really important. Yeah, unions are definitely, like, um, or they were, at least, they were one of the, like, big strongholds. And the thing is that, like, I guess, I mean, the problem is that unions haven't always been used for good. Like, I think especially in America, there was a problem with um, Irish immigrants, sort of, um, because they were on the same level as, like, freed slaves. They would be like, okay, well, we'll work for longer hours for less pay. And then once the factories were run by, basically, just an Irish workforce, they would go on strike if a black person was hired. Like, it was used yeah. as a, you know, an issue. Um, but then, yeah, definitely we had, like, a really good series of, like, momentous movements when we, you know, in 60s and 70s, it's, like, considered, like, a huge revolutionary, you know, era. Um, and that was greatly due to the workers' rights movements. And, and the problem is that we have actually slowed down because the union movement is so bad at the moment. It's so sluggish because no one wants to go on strike unless it's for climate and even then you know it's like well maybe (laughs) i don't know you can go on strike but don't associate like a lot of the unions these days are just like a piss poor (laughs) it's fine um but it's you know (laughs) okay i guess but yeah definitely unions are definitely where where a lot of the power is and it's untapped right now but if we could reach where where it was in that movie and then also just a bit before that, you know, like um, the BLF that I mentioned who got that gay kid um, 
you know, back in, in Macquarie University, they did a lot of stuff. They were one of the unions who instituted green bans where basically the reason why we have Hyde Park in Sydney or the Botanical Gardens or, um, you know, Kelly's Bush, there's all these, like, amazing, like, sacred places for Indigenous people, but then Mm -hmm. also just, like, really gorgeous parklands. And the only reason we have them is because the union, the Builders Labourers Federation, the BLF, they were like, yeah, no, you're not allowed to build there. We're not allowed to build there. We're not building there. If anyone breaks the the picket line on, it wasn't a picket line so much, but it was just like a green ban. You're a scab, and you're not allowed in the union. And you know, they totally like revolutionised the um, the uh, the construction industry because wow. people were just dying. And yeah, it's 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 a really great history. There's a really good film called Rocking the Foundations, which came out in like 1983 or something. And the Labour Party killed them from the inside. Oh. So that's why I hate the ALP. I'm like, yeah, you guys are the movement bootlickers. Bootlickers. It's true. They're bootlickers. They're just, oh, just like, so funny. I just, it's ridiculous. But um, that's off track. Just basically that, yeah, unions are where the power is. And it's really amazing to see that every single socialist that I know is like, Whenever you get talking about gay liberation, they're like, hey, have you seen Pride from 2014? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I have. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> they're like, yeah, I would love to talk about it. Um, you know, so it's, it's super fun. Um, it's really good. It's a really good, like, work of solidarity. And the two songs um, that it's sandwiched between are, like, union anthems, you know? Like, yeah. One of them, Solidarity Forever. The other one's There's Power in a Union, mm. you know? Like, God, that shit rocks so hard. And the rest of the soundtrack is banging as well. They're the pro. Like, yeah, it's a good soundtrack. It's a fucking good soundtrack. You know, who else have you got? You've got um, Soft Snell. You've got all these, like, oh, God, I love 80s music. Um, but that's that's not, like, well, I guess it is. You know, <laughs> it's just a personal taste. No, it's a good singing, soundtrack. You know? It's a good soundtrack. It's a banging soundtrack. Put that down as, like, <laughs> as a positive. <laughs> Um, but then also like in terms of like the creation of it um, the wardrobe was very good because they all dressed Mm. like gay people you Mm. know yeah absolutely dyed hair or like the curtains or like you know button up shirts that are like loose and like barely tucked in I'm like thank you for your representation thank you for your service (laughs) (laughs) and um (laughs) love that um and also, yeah, just the platonic relationships between yeah. them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think any of them ever have, like, a... Like, there's Mark Ashton having that, like, past relationship. And yeah. Joe max on one dude, yeah. I think, at the party. And it's um, not really about the romantic entanglements yeah. between the characters. It's, yeah. Yeah. And mm. it's just, it's so, like, nice. Because, like, ugh, like that's just how real gay friend groups are. Yeah. yeah like maybe once or twice you guys have like had a thing but it's like you're all friends we can get past it you know uh, it, it's like it's just it's true to life yeah and it's it's i just i'm i yeah that's just that's a big part of the appeal for me as yeah well. no I, they, I totally agree they, yeah yeah they look and behave like gay people and i'm like 
refreshing to yes. see us not being stereotypes or punchlines, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the bare fucking minimum, but it, it's rocking the bare minimum, so... Well, the good thing about it is that there's so many different queer characters in the film that there's mm. just so much representation. Yeah. There's, like, the flirt. There's, like, the kid who's, you know, still in the closet. There's, like, the, the lesbians. The witty, dry lesbian. The, like, you know... The like flamboyant dude and a jumper, yeah. The flamboyant one, the you know, it's all you've got so much, so many avenues for people to latch onto, yeah. Which is, it's understated how, how important that is in a, in a film, yeah. Actually, I think I'll move on to the negatives and just jumping off that point, um, yep, where I said it was a good representation, but not necessarily because it's a very white movie, there are no very people white. of color in the film, um, yeah. There's any bi or trans rep either yeah absolutely so, yeah i mean i think the 80s was when that stuff was only starting to like be realized but it's still well bi and trans people and people of color have been around forever just as long as oh, anybody yeah. else absolutely but the terminology for trans and bi only um was starting to become centralized during oh, that okay. time yeah so, yeah but i think it would have been cool because there's so many moments of them exploring that community. Yeah. That they could have had, a, like, even just, like, a throwaway line or something. I don't know. And even, like, um, I mean, oh. the thing is, like, they did kind of make up their own version of history by changing so much in this film that yeah. they could have done any number of things and they didn't. Um, and even one of the lesbian characters who was white wears cornrows, so that's cultural appropriation. So they chose to include that, but they didn't include any people of colour or bi or trans people, like you were saying. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That was just a frustrating um, thing, because they did change so much, and then what they could have done was actually change it for a better representation, and said they didn't. But actually, that woman who has the lesbian, who has the cornrows, that was actually her hairstyle, the real woman. Because I saw this um, documentary called um, All Out Dancing in Dulais, and you can actually watch that on YouTube. It's really cool. Um, and, uh, and she actually appeared in the documentary, and she looked exactly the same as she does in the film. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But also, like, the, the lesbian representation wasn't very good, I didn't find. Like, there was Steph, who was pretty cool, and, um, but we didn't, like, find out her last name. She didn't have any romantic relationships. We didn't know anything about her, her family or her history or anything like that. She's not given much in that way. No, I mean, she... Yeah, it's all kind of throwaway stuff. Like, I think at the beginning, she's like, yeah, that girl broke my heart at the Smiths concert. And, like, she's like, I don't want to go home for the, for the you know, Christmas because my family's shitty. Yeah. But um, I think the, the role of lesbian separatism as well wasn't too good because mm. they had a couple of lesbians who I think were intended to be, like, these, like, you know, like, feminist yeah. chicks who can't um, get along with men, you know. And I'm like, well, there actually were women's issues to consider. Like, were these yeah. people getting tampons and stuff? Like, yeah. that's an important part, you know. And, like you know, the kind of flippancy that they, they treated the lesbian separatists with. Um, so I don't like that they, I mean, I guess they weren't villainized, but they definitely were shown to be these, like, annoying kind of, like, naggy, naggy lesbians. And I'm like, 
thank you for that. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I found like, really like annoying. Month, and I'm like, no, I think it would be good actually if there was like some, you know, if they, they took these people seriously. But obviously, I mean, at the end of it, it's like they're all together and it's a lot of fun. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'm they are um, they are advocating for the same cause. Mm. Uh, one of the other, I kind of touched on this, but um, one of the other negatives I found was like introducing like a sanitized, boring character insert, like an audience insert to make the film more relatable. I found that to be like a cop out. Like you don't have to make everything super palatable all the time. Like that's how we end up with Love Simons, and they don't really. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be like hard hitting all the time either. I just found the film rested too much on sentimentality and I found it like not relatable in that it was it just was very like trying to make you feel good all the time and I didn't really connect with that at all not necessarily that my life's been so hard that I can't have a good time or anything but like yeah it's just uh I didn't find the film that relatable but then again it is set in the uk in the 80s and i'm not a, and i'm not a grassroots movement kind of person yeah no i think i totally get that i think that we probably have different tastes and like yeah. film is one of the most addictive media ever yeah so if i'm i love you know rose tinted glasses films and you're like this wasn't gritty enough i feel like yeah they're both correct but i feel like i will say um, if you want a movie recommendation for a film that's just basically centered on gay people um, and like about them, you know, it's sort of similar to this, but instead of obviously the minus thing, it's about the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Um, 120 BPM is really good. Okay. It's a French film that's set in the 90s and it's basically Act Up. Okay. Um, the Paris version of Act Up. Yeah. And they, you know, they stage. Uh, definitely check that out that sounds awesome um well yeah at any rate it seems more to your taste but yeah no i definitely get that it it can seem very um cop outy or um i guess yeah, what's like a word for it i don't really know a word for it but yeah i don't just know either sentimental yeah sentimental get that it can it can be like a kind of like you know they just play the like the score to make your heart beat harder and like there's like these camera shots of like you know and jonathan dancing and bringing the whole town together through dance yeah but i'm like yeah that's yeah (laughs) that's just that's just me being like wow imagine if gay people were treated like humans i would love to have some fantasy where that was real (laughs) um yeah Okay, well, that's all the things that I had to say. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say? 
pretty much covered it. Awesome. Um, yeah, God, sorry. Yeah, we've been talking for a god long time. It's going to be hell to edit. <laughs> no, this but, isn't. Um, it hasn't been two hours yet, so it's not that much hell. Right. No, good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but I will let us go now. Oh, actually, did we want to talk about um, the gay liberation at Macquarie a little bit? Like, we have mentioned it a little bit. But I think I'll just go through a, a tiny bit of a run through. So um, Jeremy Fisher was kicked out of Macquarie University for possessing gay liberation club badges. He was um yeah. he was actually um, attacked uh, prior to this and ended up in hospital. And then when he was recovering, um, he was kicked out. So the Builders Laborers Federation gave their support to the Macquarie, Macquarie University Student Council to let Fisher back into the university. Um, as Jack Mundy points out in this, I'll link it in the show notes, um, I must admit that we were a bit apprehensive about this request. The BLF has discussed a lot of issues in recent years, but the attitude of male superiority was pretty strong and there was likely to be a lack of understanding of homosexuals. Bob Pringle went out to North Ryde to explain the union's policy to the workers on site. To our surprise, the men on the job had no hesitation in deciding to go out on strike. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, the BLF, God, they're like my heroes. Because <laughs> they look so much women. They like, especially like the, the New South Wales branch, I think, were like the real revolutionary ones. Mm. They were really like, you know what? Fuck we're just going to do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they, like they would basically... They would stop working and then they would get women on the site who wanted to, to work mm. and, you know, in, in high-vis uniform and whatever. And then the women would come on and work while the men didn't. And they were like, well, and I've got to pay them. They worked and we didn't. So you better hire them. <laughs> they were like, fine, fine, we'll do it. We'll hire the women. That's awesome. Oh, just leave us alone. <laughs> so this was in bad the 70s, wasn't it? It was in the 70s or 80s? What did um, you say? Oh, just badgering people into being progressive. I think that's, like, really fun. <laughs> yeah. But what did you say? Uh, was this in the 70s or 80s, This the gay liberation at Macquarie? Um, I'm pretty sure it was 1970s. 1973. 73, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Perfect, yeah. Um... But if I can find it, I'll provide a link to um, Rocking the Foundations, which was about the BLF, and they're like, like New South Wales, I guess, kind of um, strand of um, fucking authority. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have to say. Um, I might Uh put some more details about the gay liberation of Macquarie in the show notes and also the all out dancing and delays documentary which is pretty cool um yeah so thank you so much Lawrence for coming on my show well thanks for hosting (laughs) it's fun I love doing it (laughs) oh good to hear so that's it for this episode thank you all for listening you can find sexuality out on the 7th and 21st of every month I'm only pretty much using Twitter right now because um, Instagram and Facebook is like too much for me. I just stick to the one. Um, I have a Patreon. Uh, if you want to subscribe, you can get like extra uh, extra audio episodes. And I also post um, complimentary blog posts to go along with every episode of Sexuality. 
Um, if you don't want to subscribe to Gatreon, which you can do for literally one dollar, um, you can also support the show through Coffee, which is ko-fi.com/queerasmedia. Um, you can rate and review on iTunes, which helps me find new listeners and would make my day. Um, if you if that's all too much for you, you can retweet, like, or comment on Twitter. Um, the algorithm is favoring comments lately, so if you want to help a podcast out, just reply to like, this was really cool, or whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to do. <laughs> I also have a website where you can find film reviews and editing services, so I'm a freelance editor as well as a freelance writer and a freelance blogger and a freelance website tour and everything else. So you can find that at queerasmedia.com.au. Uh, and yeah, so thank you all for listening. That's it from me. See you later.